Welcome to Veg Out, brought to you by the Toronto Vegetarian Association, aka the TVA. We come to you virtually from our homes and we are heard on CJRU 1280A on the Scope, Ryerson's campus and community station. My name is Jeanette and I'm a vegan and volunteer with the TVA. Our mission is to inspire people to choose a healthier, greener and more compassionate lifestyle through plant-based eating. And I'm joined today by my co-host Anna, who is also a vegan and a member of the TVA's board of directors. Hi, Anna. Hi, Jeanette. And this week, we are also joined by our guest, Dean Blineau, who is the co-founder and president of Tomorrow Foods, a plant-based food company. And if you are Googling that, tomorrow is spelled T-M-R-W. Uh, welcome, Dean. Hello. Hi. And Dean is, is joining us from Vancouver today. So, uh, you know, the good thing about recording from home and recording by Zoom is that we can have people from uh, other time zones and across the country join us. So I'm uh, glad that we were able to make it work today with, with Dean. Um, and the first question we like to ask is, what is your vegan origin story? Yeah, so um, I'm, I'm from South Africa and I've, I went vegan probably um, almost eight years ago and so at the time it was it definitely had, hadn't reached the level of ubiquity um, in in the area that we lived in or amongst our friends um, but my partner Antoinette had been vegetarian for about 12 years um, and and she was she was you know very very calm and and supportive uh, of my lifestyle at the time and I, I had some very typical ideas or, or reservations around it um and so for the first you know, maybe year and a half of our, of our relationship i i kept eating uh, kind of a standard diet for for the area and um she she had gone from being vegetarian to vegan um and it was it was really i suppose um random at that at at one point i i kind of I, I had a, a little bit of an epiphany and I, I tend to consider myself to be a fairly thoughtful person and I like to believe at least to a large extent that I'm not um, completely molded um, by, my, by my environment um, and that I, I like to make decisions for myself and when it came to food I, I, I seem to not want to illuminate um, the information um, that might change my mind and I basically you know told myself that well you know if I want to continue making this decision which is is apparently based on evidence you know not necessarily very good for the world around me uh, i need to understand why and that i'm comfortable with making that decision and so uh, i basically just set off and try to read as much as possible about it um, and try to understand you know why it is that it is that that it's 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 um being discussed as something that is is as damaging to the planet and 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 as um i suppose detrimental to animal welfare um as we we were i suppose kind of seeing more and more over time and so yeah i basically just took a, a massive deep dive into into understanding what was going on and why the status quo was what it was um and as i put the pieces together the equation just made absolutely no sense to me and I, I couldn't find any reason to not 
removed myself entirely from supporting this this type of industry or this type of um, way of life. And so I basically stopped dead in my tracks and switched over um, the following day after you know, a day or two of research and just never, never looked back again. And uh, now it's been almost eight years. Wow, that's a, quite the journey to just do a couple of days in and then be like, well, yeah, this is the right way to go. I'm going. And yeah. then you're still at it eight years later and like deeply involved in, in the industry. So um, absolutely, you're also um, involved with Virtuous Pi, I think. Um, so I don't know how much you know about, I don't know how involved you are. I know that there is some collaboration between Tomorrow Foods and Virtuous Pie. And I uh, had the fortune of eating at the Toronto location, I think days before they closed and it was just kind of serendipitous. So I'm wondering if you could sort of shed a little bit of light on your um, how involved you are in both the Vancouver location as well as maybe what happened in Toronto and if there's any opportunities there for growth in Toronto in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So when I when I immigrated to Canada, um, I met the owners of, of Virtuous. Um, so it's a family office and they, um, you know, they came out of an, uh, a different kind of industry and, and started applying their time and their resources to, to businesses in the space. So the family is also vegan and they, they share a lot of the values that I have. Um, and so I started as part of the leadership team with Virtuous and Virtuous and Tomorrow have shared ownership and have, um, uh, uh, we, we operate almost as sister companies. We've got some shared resources uh, in terms of a, uh, kind of a centralized office for admin and, and, and certain pieces like that where we connect. Um, and they, but they still run as separate entities. So I was with Virtus fully from uh, 2017 uh, till early 2020. Um, and, you know, the, the Toronto location, the biggest challenge with it was um, the, the area was, was challenging for lunchtime, regardless of whether or not it was in the midst of a pandemic. Uh, and then with COVID hitting, it just became really difficult to keep it making sense from a financial point of view um, and the decision and it was obviously a really difficult decision for the for the group um, but the decision was made to basically just put it on hold um, and just give it a little bit of time for things to start i suppose finding their way back to some semblance of normality and then reassess to see what what happens next so at this point in time the, the location is closed, yes, um, but it, it, it's not necessarily closed indefinitely. I think we just need a little bit of time for, for things to um, stabilize and for things to um, have a, a, a more positive outlook for the food service industry. Um, and so, yeah, my, my, my involvement was, was very heavy with, with um, Virtuous uh, up until May. Uh, 2020, uh, when I shifted my focus entirely to Tomorrow Foods, when we opened our facility in, in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. I know I was a big fan of Virtuous Pie uh, from Vancouver. Many Vancouver visits, I would always go to Virtuous Pie. So I'm glad to hear that there, there is some uh, 
perhaps glimmer of hope that it could come back to Toronto. But I know at some point when I travel again, I will go to Vancouver and I'll enjoy virtuous pie with some tomorrow foods uh, on <laughs> on the pie as well. So can uh, I'd like to actually ask about tomorrow foods and and I guess I asked about your vegan origin story, but maybe the origin story about tomorrow. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So um, you know, it started basically. Um, Rob, one of the owners, is also one of the joint owners in in Virtuous and Tomorrow, um, had suggested that we, you know, we we maybe have a burger competition <laughs> to see <laughs> what kind of a burger we can come up with. And at the time, there was obviously a lot of excitement around um, this rise in adoption of you know plant based meats that are that are more akin to their animal counterparts and that, that are starting, starting to drive parity in terms of experience. And so we, we wanted to create um, a company that would be able to, um, from an early uh, time, position itself as one of the leaders in the plant-based space, not only from a, from a um, kind of a restaurant perspective, but also from the manufacturing and the, and the retail and grocery perspective. And so um, the idea came up, well, let's, let's see um, if we can create something um, as a starting point and then take it from there. And so basically it was a, it started as a burger competition in the office and everybody from marketing to uh, accounting, to finance, to whoever took part in this competition and some of the chefs from Virtus. And um, we took some of that, <clears throat> And some of the great ideas that came from that. And then, um, you know, I'd spend a lot of time kind of looking into um, the space and um, seeing what works and what doesn't work and trying to extract as much knowledge and um, I suppose kind of IP from, from people that have solved hard problems already. Uh, and then created the first prototype uh, in my kitchen at home. And, you know, I'm not, I don't have a chef background or a food, uh, like a food science background, but um, just as a starting point, we, we created something and it, and it worked pretty well. Um, and then from, from there on, it just started picking up momentum and we, uh, we went through hundreds and hundreds of iterations and, you know, copious amount of, of kind of sleepless nights trying to kind of create something that first and foremost would provide an exceptional experience. Um, but that would also incorporate more whole foods ingredients. So striking that balance was always something that we wanted to do. So um, I think as a little bit of context as to what the, the sentiment was from the beginning, um, we've never really wanted to 100% replicate meat. You know, we 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 obviously believe that um, people choose to eat uh, specific animal proteins because they enjoy the you know the organoleptic properties of those proteins, not specifically because they like the fact that an animal was killed in the process or that it came from an animal. You know, I think those things are moot points, and we we want to create something that basically. Um, can extract the essence of what it is that people enjoy about meat. But at the same time, it doesn't have to be exactly the same. So you'll see a lot of companies out there and we, we you know, we're really, we're really proud of what they've done and, and how they've trailblazed and how they've pioneered and what they're doing in terms of driving this conversation around plant-based and, and also driving or shifting the, the perception or, or creating a real kind of, I suppose, paradigm shift in terms of how people think about they, the way they consume protein. Um, but, they, but there's been a strong... Um, sense of being tethered to the animal protein piece and specific animal proteins. Whereas for us, um, you know, we kind of believe that we've we've got an ability to to infuse flavors in a, in a unique way and adjust textures for specific kinds of uses and you know very much optimize nutrients and um, and also scale um, our proteins to a point where we 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 
firmly believe that we, we can actually create proteins that are better and, and more enjoyable and are preferred over animal proteins and also eventually cheaper. Um, and so we wanted to make sure that we, we didn't necessarily go out there with a, this whole idea of like kind of trying to make a burger bleed the same way or make it, you know, basically enact that experience entirely, um, but also not, you know, um, remove ourselves from um, trying to create something that is enjoyable um, because there's a reason why people eat the way they eat. And so, so yeah, so we, we wanted to, from the beginning, basically find a, a really good balance between um, incorporating more uh, familiar ingredients and more plant forward ingredients and uh, ingredients that people, when they flip the, the package over, they go, wow, that's awesome. Like I, I, I feel, I feel really good about this. Um, but at the same time, you know, I feel like they're absolutely not compromising on, on that experience. And um, it, it took a while to, to get a burger to, to behave that way whilst having these ingredients um, and still, you know, still not necessarily feel like, uh, or, be, or, or make a person feel like they're eating a veggie burger. And um, so, so yeah, anyway, so it started with, with, uh, with, uh, um, with a burger competition. Uh, we used chefs and food scientists and various different kinds of people along the way. And then eventually in, in May of, of last year, uh, we opened our facility and we launched the Tomorrow Burger and the Tomorrow Grounds, um, built on the, this, this philosophy of kind of incorporating more familiar ingredients, but not compromising on experience. Uh, and now we're really starting to push that to the next level in terms of we've created a proprietary protein um, that will be gluten and soy free and made from like a really cool blend of ingredients. Um, it's got an awesome texture um, and it's not like any other specific animal protein. So we're really kind of trying to push this envelope that we believe that plant protein can be better and that we can provide plant protein in a way that is unique and different and provides variety to people who are looking to incorporate these, these uh, proteins into their diets. Wow. So that's, well, I love that story. I love that it started with a burger contest. Uh, and there's a lot that you just gave us that I want to, we'll, we'll pull out and talk a little bit more about specifically the, the products and your ingredients. And uh, we'll dive a little bit deeper into that. But first, I wanted to go back to like the, the burger as like the ideal, um, you know, plant protein replica of a meat thing. Like why is the burger? Because like every Every, it's like kind of like these burger wars, right? It's like impossible and then beyond and, and everyone's trying to make the perfect burger to replace uh, a, a meat burger. Why is the burger like the essence of like vegan protein? What do you have thoughts about burgers? Like how, how why is the burger <laughs> such a huge like cultural thing for us? I mean, in, in North America specifically. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, my, 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 I've basically had burger brain for like the last three years. <laughs> I've, got, I've, got, I've got many thoughts about burgers. Um, so if I had to be entirely candid about it, it's probably because it's the easiest um, to, to try and replicate. So it becomes, way, it becomes more and more complex when you try and replicate um, meats that are not necessarily processed, right? So, you know, if, fillets or, or you know um, breasts of, or, or things like that it becomes really hard um, to to take plant matter and manipulate it in such a way that it can accurately um, replicate that experience when you look at burgers the reason why i think this is this is kind of the starting point for a lot of people is um, the way that you basically grind the protein 
um, and how you bind the ingredients and well the ability to bind them and how you incorporate fat and all that you it, it's easier to do that and be able to mimic what um, an animal protein um, offers than it is to 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 do the former, which I discussed. And I think that's why it starts there. I don't think that burgers are gonna change the world. You know, I think that they, they've started the conversation, but you know, I, I might digress mildly. So if I digress too much, just you can just rope me right back in. But I think that something that's, that's challenging is that we, you know, we, we sometimes get caught up um, in the velocity or the perceived velocity of plant-based and how we're changing the world. But the reality of it is that we still have a very long way to go and a ton of work to do. And, you know, I think that in certain kinds of um, um, more, I suppose, kind of wealthy and more um, metropolitan type regions, you'll, you'll see that it's being adopted at a much faster rate, but it's still in small portions of the, the global population. Whereas in you know certain parts of the world, with 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 um, uh, especially parts with rapidly growing middle classes and so forth, um, you know the adoption of meat and dairy is actually taking off, and, and it's probably accelerating at a faster rate than plant-based is accelerating because of the fact that it, it seems to be um, you know. Uh, found acutely in, in these these specific kinds of environments that that nurture this this idea of um, you know being better to the world around you and the burger is a great place to start but it's not really where, the way we're going to necessarily change the world so we actually I think you know for a lot of companies they do that so that we can have some products we can get to market now there's a lot of focus on the market so we need to keep kind of innovating and, and inventing with anything else um but we do need to get better at making proteins that are similar to you know some of these other proteins that are a little bit harder to make um and we need to be able to make them cheaper to really drive change in the world and to really basically make um an impact that will will tangibly changed the environment um because if we if we stick to kind of burgers and some of these kinds of products and use that as as our main form of of um getting people's uh kind of a total buy-in um, i don't think it's going to necessarily be enough um and i don't think i definitely don't think at, at the current um with the current disparity in price that we'll be able to um truly you know see that 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 global change um and I think that um, our company and a lot of companies like ours um, are probably, you know, actively pursuing ways in which we can we can create these harder these harder or these more complex types of proteins and have them deliver uh, once again an experience that people would would happily choose. Um, and to you know, to circle back around again, the burger is a starting point. It's easier because you're breaking up the protein, um, and it, you don't necessarily have to create um, these these larger pieces of of in essence muscle from plants. Uh, you can break it into a more processed kind of nuanced grouping of ingredients, <laughs> um, which make it easier to replicate um, that experience. Um, but I do think that we we've still got quite a long way to go before we um, we can create proteins um, that people eat more. You know, people eat burgers in, infrequently compared to, you know, certain kinds of proteins like fish or, um, or chicken and pork. 
Um, you know, but I think some beef proteins are, are probably less frequent because of, of their pricing. Um, but you know, I think for us, we really want to be able to to hit the proteins that people are eating on a daily basis. And and burgers aren't those. We we just start with burgers because they're a little bit easier to make. Yeah, I was I was kind of curious about the whole tagline that you have that's replicate animal protein. Um, like you don't want to replicate animal protein. You want to take it to the next level. And I guess um, how how is it that you feel you're doing that with your product right now? And I guess that maybe leads more into what are the ingredients that you're using and how is it that you're going to be able to make them sort of cheaper? Yeah, yeah. Um, so in terms of making it cheaper, the, the biggest driver for that will be scale um, and oh. the maturity of the supply chain. So right now, uh, you can imagine that plant-based proteins make up still probably less than 1% of total retail sales. Um, and so you've got a, a, an animal industry that's in, in many ways being perfected for efficiency um, and it's grossly inefficient, but you know, they've, they've a ton of, a ton of resources and time and human, I suppose, um, energy has been spent on trying to create this process that is, that is as efficient as it can be. And it still doesn't necessarily, you know, bode too well for the planet. Now for plant proteins, it's, it's, it's a question of just growing those supply chains. So firstly, um, you know, we need to be able to um, process the, the, these base ingredients. Um, you know, the, the, a very brief kind of overview of the process is that you have the raw, the whole, you know, the, 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 the base, whether it's like peas or, or um, uh, wheat or whatever it may be, uh, it often goes through a fractionating process, which deconstructs and takes, you know, the fat out and the starch in certain pieces. Uh, and then the, the protein isolate is used and taken through an extrusion process. Um, and this all sounds very crazy uh, when, it, when you think about, um, um, I suppose, it starting as like a, as like a very simple um, whole food and then ending up as this, this, uh, this uh, you know, textured protein, um, but it has to follow, it has to go through these steps before you can, you can kind of turn this, this, um, let's say, for example, a lentil into something that doesn't behave like a, you know, a lentil, you would normally form a lentil burger out of, but behaves like a, a piece of, of, of tissue. And <clears throat> the processing capability for those steps is, is still pretty low. And so there needs to be more and more product pushed through those lines and, and larger and more efficient lines created to bring costs down, cost down for those pieces. So once we can actually get the base protein cost down, um, that allows us to significantly, obviously, um, reduce the end cost to, to the consumer. You know, once you've got the base protein, then there's still the value-added steps that need to happen, uh, whether it's like, you know, co combining it with flavors and, and fats and binders and whatever else to turn it into a burger, or if it's, you know, turning it into strips or whatever it may be. Um, so the first thing is, I, I don't necessarily think it's even a question of trying to grow the crops for cheaper. You know, you can, a lot of these crops are, are grown uh, and they're very affordable. And they, you know, if you, if you compare them to growing an animal, which is in, in essence, just a, a biological, you know, machine, um, it's, 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 it's way, way more affordable. Um, so I think it's all these value added steps that, that need to, um, uh, have some scale driven through them so that they can be, um, a little bit more, uh, um, uh, cost effective um, and then I think it's also the choice of protein so um, you know you get some proteins that are that are definitely 
um, they're, they're not all created equal, basically. And, and some of them are, are better, but more expensive. And some of them are, you know, uh, more affordable and may not necessarily um, provide the experience that people want. So I think there'll still be a bit of a settling in terms of which of these proteins um, drive them, I suppose, the, the most um, consumer acceptance. Uh, you know, it's, it's a soy protein, for example, is actually a, a great protein option. It's, um, it's got a great amino acid profile. It's got a very mature supply chain. Um, it's grown in, in vast quantities um, and it's processed in, in pretty vast quantities, but there's a little bit of a bad rap um, around soy, uh, which is unfortunate because I think it's a good long-term option. Um, but really, I think that uh, the biggest thing in terms of driving price parity will be um, driving that scale. Um, because once you get the actual base materials down, once you can process them uh, in larger quantities through the value added pieces, um, and then once brands, for example, small brands like ours, we don't have the volume to be able to, to you know, build a, a really stable and a really healthy company and um, do everything we need to do uh, on really low margins. So the margin has to be higher to support the company to get onto its feet. Um, but once you get beyond that point, and, and if you start um, selling proteins um, on, a, on, a, on a much larger scale across North America, but really more importantly for us globally, uh, especially in parts of the world where you've got really large populations and, and really large populations that are very price sensitive. Um, I think that's where we'll really see the most um, um, change over the long period of time, uh, over a uh, change in, the, in, in, in futures if we can actually um, drive scale to the point where we can supply countries like those and be more affordable than meat and once we do that and just to give a little bit of context on that in south africa you've got incredible disparity in wealth and you've got an incredible it's 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 it's, a, it's, it's 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 crazy to see how you can juxtapose these these high levels of poverty to you know these beautiful really wealthy you know neighborhoods with 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 very wealthy people um and i think that looking at the way that some people um, need to to live in, in some of those communities is that they will always choose what's the most affordable. And so what happens is you've got um, these 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 um, communities that are incredibly malnourished because they eat high quantities of, of highly refined maize or, or whatever it may be. But anyway, so you've got these communities that if they had an option to eat something that was highly nutritious, was really tasty, um, and more affordable than meat, they would they would choose to do that almost every time. And a lot of it is because of the fact that they would have to choose to 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 um, buy or consume what is what is most affordable. Um, and my hope is that we can uh, keep driving scale to the point where we can actually supply some communities such as those um, with with really awesome products, which would obviously also greatly reduce the amount of animal protein that people consume. But that will also, as a compound, will it will basically reinforce our ability to create these proteins for cheaper, um, and then eventually it will it will reach a point where where animal based proteins actually can't keep up. Um, if you if you just look at the equation of energy in, energy out, water in, water out, um, you know the amount of calories you put into the amount of calories you you remove, basically, which is energy, um, or even protein and protein out. There's no way that animal protein and the animal protein supply chain can outperform the plant-based protein supply chain as long as this, as long as you start driving, you know, similar kinds of volumes. Um, and so, so yeah, that was 
That yeah. was a fairly long-winded way of saying plant proteins are more efficient. No, I, <laughs> I love all the detail. detail. Yeah, because it, it it shows that your um your your brand and your company are are thinking about these things, and it's very clear to me now why you chose the name Tomorrow Foods. Yes. Um, and we recently had uh, James McInnes, who was the CEO of Globally Local, on the show, and he was also talking uh, along the same lines of you about making vegan fruit food or that plant-based protein as affordable and accessible as possible. Like he wants to make his products cheaper than McDonald's, right? So that people yes. ha- like will, will buy that because it is cheaper, but it's also nutritious and it's yes. dressed up like a burger or fast food burger, you know? So yeah. you still have that, uh, you, you're still partaking in that large cultural uh, idea of, of what is fast food or, or whatever. Right. So yeah. um, uh, we only actually, we only have a few minutes left. So I did want to give you the opportunity <laughs> to talk about your expansion. Cause it seems like you've expanded rather quickly uh, and your products are available in Ontario and a number of stores at whole foods, um, the big carrot here in Toronto and a number of other markets. Uh, and we've only really talked about the burger, but I know you have other products uh, in your line. So can you talk a little bit about what people can expect from tomorrow foods in terms of if they go to a store, what can they find, where can they find it and how you've found that expansion process? Yeah, absolutely. So um, in terms of our products, we've got the burger and our ground um, product. We also have um, breakfast patties. And then we recently released four variants of sausage. So we've got a hickory maple, uh, a spicy Sicilian, um, uh, kind of our, our, our original brat, and then a roast garlic and herb. And these are really cool. They, they're awesome. They've got edible casings with a really nice snap and incredibly like flavorful and aromatic. And we, we are very proud of them and very excited uh, about launching them. Uh, in Ontario, you can find us in uh, Whole Foods. Uh, we just released our burgers in Healthy Planet, uh, Ambrosia, uh, the Big Carrot. And then from next month, we'll, we'll be doing a, a promotion with Longo. So we'll be in all of their stores with five of our products. Um, <clears throat> In terms of expansion, so we we just launched, we haven't launched it uh, externally, but we've just basically wrapped up uh, our development of our protein um, strips. So we've got four different uh, protein strips that use our proprietary uh, protein that we've created, uh, which is made from peas, oats, and brown rice. And they are incredibly convenient. They cook in like two to three minutes. They go really crispy on the outside, nice and tender on the inside, very juicy. And the idea is to, you know, have this plant protein that's super versatile. You can put it on tacos, you can put it on a salad, you can put it wherever. And we, with, with three of the flavors, we've infused a ton of, a ton of flavor into them. Like we have a buffalo and we've got a barbecue and, and so forth. And then we have like our lightly seasoned one, which is just, um, you can use it for basically anything that could be good with some added protein. And so those will start launching pretty soon. Uh, I'd say in the next two months, you'll probably start seeing them around. And then beyond that, uh, all of our current proteins will be um, updated to have our new protein. So we currently use a textured wheat protein, which is going to be switched out for for this uh, proprietary protein that we've created. Um, And then a big step for us is uh, we will be growing into the U.S., uh, in the next two months. So um, we've signed up with a, with a, a really awesome um, na- national nat- natural broker called Greenspoon. And so we'll be expanding into Western USA, uh, most likely from June, July. Um, and then our hope is basically to keep on, you know, keep on making awesome products 
uh, keep getting better at making them cheaper um, and to find more and more places uh, to get the products in front of people. Like we, you know, we, we, we have a goal of, of being as widely available and affordable as possible. And we've got many steps to get there. Um, and we want to be responsible in the way that we do it. Like, I think one thing is that what I hope that plant-based doesn't do is that we go down the same path as, you know, I suppose the, 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 the animal protein industry in terms of, you know, going, going, uh driving experience at all costs like we want to provide an uncompromising experience but i also hope that we can do it with you know with products that are actually better for people right and products that are actually um um in generally maintain a, a good level of nutrition um so that we also drive human health and like i i think that as a as a for us tomorrow and i think as a, the plant-based industry as a whole um i believe that we we have a strong um, sense of responsibility in terms of you know changing the way that people eat and um, not only in terms of it switching from, from animals to plants but also you know just changing the way that people eat for the better and hopefully learning from some of the some of the bad food based decisions we've made in the past and um for us that's that's really like uh, something that we're, we're going to keep on we're going to keep on iterating we know we're not perfect yet we know we've got a ton of stuff that we need to um fix you know but we we keep kind of trying to improve uh, we reduced our packaging uh, i mean our, our um, plastic packaging by 60 percent there's all these steps that we want to keep taking to to i hope do business in, in almost an, an evolved way and hopefully you know other companies that jump into the space and so forth can can follow us so that we change the status quo on, on how people and food companies do business in general. And then hopefully in the process also, you know, my, my personal biggest driver is, 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 is trying to remove uh, or eliminate um, factory farming to you know, whatever extent we can as quickly as we can. That, that, was, that was the interesting thing about going vegan. At first it was, a, it was an equation for me and over time it became, it became a, a Far more, the far more significant piece became, uh, I suppose, compassion for animals, and it's uh, it, it, it drives a sense of urgency to me, which is um, which is, I think, uh, a good thing. You hit all the the pieces: the environmental piece with the lower packaging, the um, you know, taking care of the animals, improving health for people, and making it accessible, making it like cheaper. I'm like, oh. It's a beautiful <laughs> moment. You have a follower. <laughs> yes. well, well, thank you. But we, we, we still we still need we still have a lot of work to do. You know, it's, it's one thing to talk; uh, it's another thing to to actually do it. Um, but we, we we're trying, and we, we're making progress every month. But you know, I hope that people hold us accountable to this as well. You know, it's easy to get carried away by uh, the romance of the industry. Like we've got we've got you know important work to do, and I and I hope that. Um, if we ever, if we ever veer away from that, that people, people tell us and say, Hey, you know, get back on track. We yeah. will remind you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so a big thank you again to Dean Blunot, who is the co-founder and president of Tomorrow Foods. And if you're looking for more information about them, uh, again, you can Google it's spelled T-M-R-W and we'll also link to the website in our show notes. Uh, and now over to Anna for some TVA updates. So we just want to remind you to update your membership or think about giving a gift membership for someone you love. The TVA is working on a lot of projects like the C40 project that you might have heard about on our podcast with Nithal, the president, 
And we're also working on a name change project. And we have some other things that we're working on, but TVA needs your committed and continued support to do all these activities. And so that we can continue to grow and support our kind and compassionate veg community. We also wanna welcome your feedback and any comments you have on any of the activities we do. If you have any questions or you want to be more involved, reach out to us on one of our social media platforms by email or by phone. We'd love to hear from you. And you've been listening to Veg Out, the Toronto Vegetarian Podcast brought to you by the TVA. Uh, and you can find out everything you need to know about what we do over at veg.ca. Uh, thanks to Matt Judge for our theme song. And until next time, Veg, veg Out. out.